It's Tuesday, February 28th, 2017, and this is Sit. We're on chapter 27 of the Tao Te Ching, and yesterday I complained because uh, I said, well, it was hard for me to find a translation of chapter 26 yesterday that I felt was a good interpretation of the spirit of the text as opposed to being a literal translation of it. I feel as if I have the opposite problem today, that there are a lot of different translations that do a pretty good job. But I'm going to go back to Dwight Goddard and his translation, which, if you'll recall, is from 1919. So, here it is, chapter 27. Good walkers leave no tracks. Good speakers make no errors. Good counters need no abacus. Good wardens have no need for bolts and locks, for no one can get by them. Good binders can dispense with rope and cord, yet none can unloose their hold. Therefore, the wise man trusting in goodness always saves men, for there is no outcast to him. Trusting in goodness, he saves all things, for there is nothing valueless to him. This is recognizing concealed values. Therefore, the good man is the instructor of the evil man, and the evil man is the good man's wealth. He who does not esteem his instructors or value his wealth, though he be otherwise intelligent, becomes confused. Herein lies the significance of spirituality. All right, find your comfortable spot. If you're sitting in a chair, I encourage you to have both feet on the floor. It's more grounded that way. If you're sitting on a cushion, I encourage you to have both knees touching the floor. Hands resting with thumb and forefinger together or in the closed circle in front of the belly. Tongue on the roof of your mouth. Let the breath come from your lower belly, and we will sit for 10 minutes.
Let your focus be on your breath. Bring a little bit of awareness now to your heart as well. And whatever is there in your heart, can you also bring compassion to that? Bring compassion to what's in your heart. Bring compassion to whatever your emotional state is right now. Compassion for yourself. And just stay with that. No place to go. Nothing to do for this time that we're here. Other than to trust yourself. Trust in this experience. And have compassion for whatever comes up. No matter what it might be suggesting to you to do, your task is simply to be for now. Keep your focus on your breath and awareness on your heart.
whatever might be there inside of you. Whatever might be calling out. Just be with it. Don't have to label it or think about it. Just be with it. That's all. And bring it compassion. Stephen Mitchell says that chapter 27 is one of the most important in the Tao Te Ching. Not certain that I would call it most important or use that designation, but uh, it holds a key. And right now I'm looking at Mitchell's version of chapter 27, and he takes a lot of liberties with the, the first of the three verses. I'm going to read Goddard's first verse to you again. And then I'm actually going to read Mitchell's because I like what he's done 
here. So Goddard says, good walkers leave no tracks, good speakers make no errors, good counters need no abacus, good wardens have no need for bolts and locks, for no one can get by them. Good binders can dispense with rope and cord, yet none can unloose their hold. And Stephen Mitchell says in his translation, a good traveler has no fixed plans and is not intent upon arriving. A good artist lets his intuition lead him wherever it wants. A good scientist has freed himself of concepts and keeps his mind open to what is. Yeah, even though they sound really different from one another, I believe they're alluding to the same thing. But Mitchell is a little bit more clear in his illusion. Use your intuition. Let go of your desire to arrive somewhere and therefore be stuck in some idea about how the future is going to be rather than experiencing what is fully and completely. Let go of your concepts and judgments so you can see things as they are right in front of you right now. The second verse of the Goddard translation reads, Therefore, the wise man, trusting in goodness, always saves men, for there is no outcast to him. Trusting in goodness, he saves all things, for there is nothing valueless to him. This is recognizing concealed values. What would things look like if society trusted in the goodness of men, of humanity, that is to say, first and foremost? How would your life be different right now if you trusted in the general goodness of humanity? Do you believe that? As I've said before, you know, we are, we are from this planet. Do we judge the bear or the wolf or the earthworm or the skunk to be evil, to have bad intentions? Well, you know, interestingly, some of us do. Some people do. But I think most of us, most of us, when we're really open and inquiring, recognize that those animals are acting according to their natures. And we have interesting natures in that we can behave in self-destructive ways when we're taught that we're self-destructive. How curious is that? Isn't it? How strange. So if we can bring our awareness to that, and let go of it. Let go of that concept that we are fundamentally bad. Or the people are fundamentally bad. Maybe we don't judge ourselves to be bad, but we judge others to be. Which is kind of the same thing. What would things look like at that point? What would things look like if we could let go of that judgment? Okay. Third verse. Therefore, the good man is the instructor of the evil man, and the evil man is the good man's wealth. He who does not esteem his instructors or value his wealth, though he be otherwise intelligent, becomes confused. Herein lies the significance of spirituality. Yeah. 
I want to go back to the anonymous version that I read from yesterday and, and read the last part of that as well. So this anonymous version says, that's why a true human being is a teacher of others and he loves his fellow men unconditionally. Therefore, he is shepherd of the whole creation and respects everything that lives and grows. People call this the light that has become human. Therefore, a true human being is a mirror for the untrue, and it's his task to point out their imperfections. One who is scared to take a look at oneself and does not love oneself might know a lot of things, but he is blind. It might seem odd, but it's true. Yeah, they're both good, in my opinion, my judgment there. The good man is the instructor of the evil man, and the evil man is the good man's wealth. Another way to look at it would be that the, the good man is the teacher of the bad man, but the bad man is also the teacher of the good man. You know, yesterday, I joked that I used to think to myself, hey, I can be pretty enlightened when I'm only around enlightened people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so which does that make me? The good man or the bad man? In the Agama Sutra, Buddha tells a parable. It may be familiar to you already. It's about the four horses. There's an excellent horse, a good horse, a mediocre horse, and a bad horse. The excellent horse is startled when it simply sees a shadow of a whip and knows what its rider wants. And the second kind of horse is startled and takes action when the whip just touches its hair. The mediocre horse responds once it's whipped, and the bad horse only wakes up once the whip has penetrated to the bone. So Buddha said that the first horse is like the person who realizes impermanence when he hears about somebody in another village dying. The second horse is like the person who realizes impermanence when he hears that somebody in his village has died. The third horse is like the person who realizes impermanence when his parent dies. And the fourth horse only realizes impermanence when he faces his own death. And in a little book I have by Pema Chodron, she talks about how people want to be the excellent horse. Once they hear that story, they want to see themselves as the excellent horse, you know. But the truth of the matter is that it's not better to be any one type of horse than another. What's the evil man but the good man's student? And therefore, the good man's teacher, too. None of us want to be the evil man or woman. I personally didn't start meditating until things went very, very wrong for me. I was in the midst of a divorce, and I had really seriously injured my back. I had herniated a disc. I'd finished grad school. I didn't know what was coming next, and I couldn't find a job. And I also seemed to not be able to hold on to friends very well, to be perfectly honest. Fuck, that sucked. And so I finally began sitting. And holy shit, was it hard for me. 
I mean really fucking hard. And I have my good moments now, but to this day it's not easy. And nearly 10 years have gone by. If we can be compassionate with ourselves, trust in the innate goodness of things, trust in our own inherent goodness, and we can also be compassionate with other people who we might otherwise judge to be bad or evil. And man, do we fucking need that right now. Jesus Christ, we need that. Don't we? <laughs> yeah, we really do. My invitation for today to you is to notice if there's some moment when you're engaging in self-abuse of some sort, some little way that you're punishing yourself. And just stop when that comes in and bring in that compassion. Bring the light of your compassionate awareness <laughs> to that moment. Because every time you do that, I submit that you are making the world a better place. It's not simply a selfish act. Hang in there. You know, hang in there. Keep doing it. Thanks for sitting with me. I hope you have a nice day.